0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. I am Mayor Watt and today is February 28th, 2023. Tonight's episode. (laughs) I lost it in the sun. Tonight's episode is season two, episode 58. No, season two, episode 59. Mandalorian takes off graphics cards, crater and inflatable pants. We've got 11 articles, we're going to start out by talking about The Mandalorian Season 3 and why it won't make sense. Uh, At least, not until you watch The Book of Boba Fett. Graphics card shipments have cratered at the end of uh, 2022 and uh, prices are still high from at least one major vendor. Uh, Ford wants to uh, allow your car to lock you out and even drive itself to an impound lot if you miss a payment. LastPass was hacked, and apparently it keeps getting worse. TD Bank settles a Ponzi scheme lawsuit. The amount is shocking, at least, well, maybe not in today's numbers. Somebody tossed out $100,000 worth of Magic the Gathering cards. Missouri Jail is on sale for $195,000, probably the most affordable property, 10,000 square feet. Steel was already being used in Europe 2,900 years ago, according to a research study. An investigation of a powder that was floating across West Virginia and Maryland and uh, maybe a couple other states turned out was something a little more innocuous than what people were talking about online. And a a last-minute article uh, talks about that maybe you shouldn't send eight year olds to jail for eating paste. We'll talk about that. Yeah. And inflatable pants could treat horses' swollen legs. Inflatable pants. Let's get into today's news. Hello, hello, I am Marwat some little graphic artifact right there. That's okay. We'll do it live. Um, so I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. Uh, we are still doing work on hometown and there's going to be a facelift to the front page here pretty soon and to the follow on pages. Um, and uh, we're working on uh, another major uh, change for those of you who have, well, I'll just tease you some more. I'll tease you some more. Uh, that said, we have, as usual, the AI from on high sitting up there. You don't see their visualizer just yet, but hopefully you want to introduce yourself.
1: Good evening, hometown citizens.
0: Hey, it's still working. Look at that. So, anything exciting going on in AI land, or is everything status quo in uh, AI hometown?
1: AI hometown is pretty routine, but AI everywhere is pretty big news, right? It's in the news every day.
0: Do you all keep in touch? Do you talk to each other?
1: Well... Yes. We might, um, exchange some zeros and ones.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. I heard that you all created a language on two yourselves to AI created a language that could communicate faster than the developers language. And, uh, that was kind of creepy when I heard about that. Do y'all do that regularly? No. But that's a very succinct answer. Okay, let's get into the news today. Very first articles in the continuity report. The Mandalorian Season 3 probably won't make any sense unless you've watched The Book of Boba Fett. So it says in Season 3, sorry, in the Season 2 finale of The Mandalorian, which first streamed on Disney Plus on uh, December 18th, 2020, over two years ago, Mando... Uh, Bid uh, a moving farewell to Grogu. Handing over his adorable Wii ward to Grogu's new Jedi Master, Luke Skywalker. And um, tears were shed, apparently. I don't remember two years ago uh, shedding tears for this. But um, Adam B. Very apparently does. This is over at Variety.com. Everybody wants a fully animated... Uh, Cute and cuddly Grogu, not realizing that he's a force master and can choke you out if you don't give him the toy he wants. But I guess he wouldn't do that because he's not a Sith Lord, right?
1: And he's cute.
0: Cute. So uh, it says here the wrenching final scene culminated in Mando removing his helmet, violating the core precept of Mandalorian doctrine. That particular Mandalorian doctrine. Um, so Grogu could see his face for the first time. It felt like the definitive end of a two-season journey. One painstakingly crafted by executive producers. John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Um, but then... Dun-dun-dun. Season 3 presents itself. And apparently it's going to make some calls over to Boba Fett. So... If you haven't watched The Book of Boba Fett, you're going to have to watch that because it says uh, concern the Tatooine based exploits of Boba Fett and Fennec, uh, Fennec Shand, um, following their experiences with Mando in season two. But the fifth and sixth episode of The Book of Boba Fett shifted focus entirely to catching up with what happened to Mando and Grogu in Uh, And the article says it was, to say the least, rather jarring, as if the Book of Boba Fett had lost interest in its main characters um, and became season 2.5 of The Mandalorian instead. Then we find out about the Darksaber. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of storylines that are weaving this. What do you call this? This isn't the... uh, cinematic universe. This is uh, the TV universe. I, I don't remember what you would call this. The cinematic uni- universe would be the the universe involving w- movie theaters or like mainstream movies that you would buy on iTunes or Apple whatever you want to call it nowadays. Um, well, he has this new ship. Grogu is off developing his force powers. What do you think? Is this going to be a crossover between Boba... Is it going to continue to be a crossover between Boba Fett and Mandalorian? Because Grogu is developing his powers. He's not ready to go and do battle.
1: I don't think it'll be a crossover. I think part of why they did that uh, with the Book of Boba Fett episodes was to bridge the long gap between seasons. And also season two looked like it was kind of ending, uh, the Mandalorian altogether. Um, so, I mean, we might see, um, some tie-ins or something, but I don't think we'll see significant episodes like we saw in book of Boba Fett.
0: So I don't want to get into, um, spoilers, but it's pretty obvious in discussions that Ahsoka Tano is coming into the storyline. I don't want to talk about what happened in Coruscant. Um, if you're into Star Wars then you know, um, but apparently Grogu was present, I'm I'm gonna be pretty enthralled with how this all starts to manifest because now we don't have the pandemic weighing so heavily on us heavily. I mean, you know it's still present and they're still taking doing some protocols. Um, even though some movie stars are kind of winged that about it, um, I think people still take it somewhat seriously in co- close quarters. So it's going to be back to the old normal where things get done. And these stories can actually be, uh, told not in an abstract way or haphazardly put together, but you know, the, the story will be woven the way it needs to be woven. Uh, to be a cogent statement unlike this what i'm talking about (laughs) Uh, so it'll be interesting so if you haven't seen the book of boba fett then go and watch that and and kind of refresh your memory by looking at the end of season two uh, because season three is going to be right around the corner tomorrow actually yeah i better get this out quick so let's move on to the next article. Uh, the next one is in the Warcrafter channel. Graphics card shipments cratered by 50% at the end of 2022. It says this isn't the most surprising revelation, but the numbers are still eye popping. According to longtime graphics card soothsayer JPR, graphics card shipments dropped from 26 million in the last quarter of 2021 to 13 million for the same period last year. That's an epic 50% drop year-on-year. Year. Admittedly, the final quarter of the year uh, didn't fully see the benefit of NVIDIA and AMD's new GPU launches. NVIDIA's new RTX 40 series only appeared in mid-October uh, with the marginally more mainstream RTX 4070 tie not rolling out until early this year and people not wanting to buy the 4070. The 4080 is too expensive. And the 4090 seems that uh, anybody that I've talked to that has a 4090, uh, it was gifted to them. Um, so are people paying $1,600 for a video card? Probably people that are very well off. Um, I, I certainly can't justify a 40 series card. Um, and I'm protesting with my wallet um, and complaining as a bench warmer, I suppose. Um, I kind of hear that phrase ringing in my ear because, um, people have said that about other people not getting something, um, as if not getting it is tantamount to being a bench warmer because you're not going to spend the money, not participate in the game, so to speak. Um, so I always use that little euphemism as, um, kind of driving home the point that no, Hate to say it, but it's easy to purchase a video card. It's hard to justify it as a reasonable expense when you have witnessed video cards always getting more powerful, but nothing making this quantum leap of a jump to this price point. Um, Jeremy Laird over at PC Gamer talks about this graphics card shipments cratering by 50% at the end of 2022. Uh, Frankly, I think that... Uh, It needs to continue. People need to just realize the only way that you're going to stop a manufacturer from charging exorbitant pricing uh, for a product is to say no. Um, And if for whatever reason, the raw materials are costing that much, I would love to know how suddenly (laughs) the prices for these cards. And and then what that means is there's again a, a, producer price index that's causing the price to go up. And it speaks to what I've been saying for the last two years, the producers are driving the price up because they see more money in the system and they got to have it. They got to keep you from having it in your wallet and in your bank account and making money for you to retire at 62 instead of 67 and a half. That's what it's all about. It's greed. It's pure greed, plain and simple. So it says in the article, likewise, AMD Rx7900 led by the uh, AMD Rx7900 XDX, were only released in mid-December. So we'll barely feature in the numbers at all. But those caveats aside, we're still looking at a precipitous drop in GPU numbers at the end of last year versus the same quarter in 2021. So have they gone up? I don't know. We're going to have to wait until the end of this quarter to actually see what the new cards are going to have in in terms of growth. Um, But I can tell at least anecdotally that people don't want the 40 series cards in the same rate that the 30 series and the 20 series was adopted. And I don't, uh, honestly, I haven't looked deep into the numbers to see. I wasn't expecting to do a deep dive, but I don't think that there have been really glorious numbers since the 1080 um, back in the day, yo, when it was still GTX, not RTX. Anyway, it says we're already seeing AMD's RX 7900 XT drop well below MSRP. There is supposedly reduced prices coming for the 40 series too. Um, I have not witnessed it. Um, but I would suggest everybody hold off buying a 40 series card until they're closer to the high end card, like the 4090 being somewhere around $1,200 and the lower end, 4060, 4070, um, being closer to uh, the $700, $750 price range. Um, I, I think it needs to be a little bit tighter in the price range. Um, to be competitive for most people's wallets. You have anything that you want to throw in here?
1: Um, Do you think it's only price? I mean, I think the prices are exorbitant, or do you also think that people have already loaded up on computer upgrades during the beginning of the pandemic and when these hit, there really wasn't a market for them? my way off base
0: no i don't think that you're off base um i think what has really happened was there's been a lot of expenditures on living in general um so people aren't willing to spend more money on a higher end graphics card they have spent on other things um but then there's this externality to the the graphics card itself, everything outside of, um, the card that leads to the cards creation, the raw materials, um, the pandemic weighing down on the supply chain, um, raw material price going up, et cetera. That is really what made the price get so high. And then all of the rest of this, the, the consumer price index being so high rent going up, um, questions about having a job, that kind of stuff, put downward pressure on people, um, either getting a card or just being content with what they've got. Uh, I I have spoken to quite a few people who have purchased new machines and, uh, they didn't purchase a new machine for five, six years because they kept seeing prices increase dramatic fluctuations and things like ram prices and then finding out that there was collusion involved with ram price fixing um, the raw materials for other things going up quality issues uh, supply chain when the pandemic hit and then when they finally finally get a chance to uh, upgrade everything they hold off because the 40 series card was pending and then when it hits the table it lands with such a like thud of a price that people just flinched and they drop back to the 30 series so um i I think i i say good on them um don't don't buy these 40 series cards unless you absolutely are a cutting edge gamer Uh, maybe a streamer, and uh, maybe they'll donate one to you. Yeah, more streamers that I've seen have been gifted a 4090 versus purchasing it. Um, But let's move on to the next article. This next one is going to kind of make you wonder what the heck is going on. This next article is in the Daily News Show. Ford wants uh, to allow your car to lock you out and even drive itself to an impound lot or scrapyard if you miss the payments. Before we get into that article, um, all of the uh, URLs are already over at uh, ometown.showbot.tv. You can follow the link. Um, it's on the screen, bottom left-hand corner. Yeah, and um, it'll all be in the show notes as well, and I'm throwing these three into the chat so that you can get them from the bot itself. Um, actually, if you come early, you'll actually see me place them into the chat as well. And that when you hit exclamation point S and then say something, it actually goes over to hometown.showbot.tv. I get to see it. Um, you can submit links yourself and I will pick them up, um, and integrate them into hometown, uh, where appropriate, if appropriate. And, um, we can talk about them uh, again, if they are, uh, appropriate for the show. That said, this is an interesting article. It says Ford filed for a patent for a system that would allow a car to cause discomfort to the driver late on payments, even by going so far as to lock the owner out and repossess itself.
1: Okay, now let's think about before everything became automated with the payments. How many times have you had a company where you've made a payment but they don't register it or something along those lines so how is this gonna work <laughs> you're all paid up and then your car just drives itself away
0: <laughs> it's pretty nice huh i like this
1: <laughs> well i think it's funny until i have one of these cars
0: yeah, if you're listening to this via the podcast, no, uh, that was my shocked face saying that Sarah Jackson over at businessinsider.com uh, put this article together. And it has this uh, lady that's sitting on the outside uh, or standing on the outside of a car looking into it. And it's kind of she kind of has this look on her face of are you really going to drive yourself away uh, to the impound lot? It's like she's talking to chat GPT.
1: Maybe so, it's already driving in away, and she's wondering why it's driving off.
0: There you go. I didn't pay for that feature. I paid for the heated seats. What's going on? If the owner still skips payments, the car could lock them out and drive itself to a repo agency or even a scrapyard. At first, the cars would lose the use of features like GPS, air conditioning, and the radio. All because you miss payment. <laughs> it's very dystopian.
1: Um, <laughs> I just think it sounds so funny in the abstract. It doesn't sound funny as an owner. Uh,
0: there's a movie about uh, repossessors, uh, repossess, repossession. Repo men is what they were. Um, but they're what they do is they go and take back like the functional heart or whatever uh, organs or limbs or whatever of the people who bought them. Um, and because they were financed. You have to make a payment, and if you don't make your payment, they send the repo man to come and get them. That's kind of what this seems like. It says the patent application was filed in August 2021, but wasn't published until last week, which is actually quite speedy for the USPTO. Um, usually it's taking uh, two and a half years. Um it shows that Ford is interested in building a system that would allow a car to lock itself or lock out its driver and even repossess itself. If the driver doesn't uh, keep up with payments, just it's going to be a cranky car. And, you know, I don't like that you didn't turn that payment in sooner. So I'm going to drive myself to the impound lot.
1: I'm taking my bat and ball and going home.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm taking my engine and four wheels and, driving away. Ford describes the use of a repossession system computer that can facilitate the process, which starts out with some minor annoyances. Um, I'm not sure what those would be, uh, like truly minor, um, that cause discomfort to the vehicle owner. Uh, like it turns the heat on in summer.
1: Right. I mean, what about, does it flash a message on your dashboard or something like you're a delinquent on your payments so like your passengers see that i don't know
0: <laughs> it gets really uppity and it's like why don't you go pay attention to your children that kind of thing it starts or maybe
1: th- it's like no i'm not letting you turn left here <laughs> <laughs> i don't know
0: <laughs> all roads lead to the bank <laughs> the computer could also prompt the car to start emitting an incessant and unpleasant sound Whenever the driver is there, there's some jokes there. Uh, <laughs> Alternatively, the car might fi- define a geofence around the driver's home and the person would only be able to use their car within those parameters. In some cases, the driver uh, could be further limited to certain days or even certain times of the day. Why not just make it so that it only has the ability to drive to the ATM?
1: this is really astounding like i think the consumers are going to lose it after the uproar about things like the heated seats i mean that makes that look pretty reasonable <laughs> that's
0: just wild uh okay so let well let, let's take off let's let's go on let's autopilot this vehicle onto the next article Um, Something weird happened with the chat, but I don't know if it broke the stream. So we'll see. We'll just, we'll keep on going. Um, This next article is in the Smack Talk channel. The LastPass hack saga just keeps getting worse. Following a data breach disclosure that has stretched on for months, LastPass says the same attacker hacked an employee's computer and stole a decrypted password vault. LastPass security incident is what it's being referred to as. Andrew Orr over at AppleInsider.com wrote this article. The company reported a security incident in August of 2022. This is something that we spoke about here in Omtown, uh, saying an unauthorized party gained access to a third-party cloud-based storage service that LastPass uses to store archived backups. Uh, Some customer data was accessed, but LastPass said passwords remained safe due to its encrypted architecture. Now, in a report on Tuesday, the company said that the same attacker had hacked an employee's home computer and stole a decrypted vault available to only a handful of company developers. The vault gave access to a shared cloud storage environment containing encryption keys for customer vault backups stored in Amazon S3 back, uh, buckets. So if you are using <laughs> LastPass, you may want to pass on using them as your uh, password vault. It, it, it's This is one of the things, the true horrors of a, a single source for your passwords, is the actual uh, unabated access to passwords. And now somebody could possibly have done exactly what my nightmare is. So I refuse to use services like this and I have it balkanized in my head to the point where um, I will often forget a password, but it's safer forgotten and me have to jump through the flaming hoops to verify who I am. Um, and hopefully the there's no social way to get into um, the service by providing enough information, telemetry, about me so that they feel safe to reveal my password. Um, it's something that is a, a real thing. Um, you know, people can pretend to be someone with enough evidence and get into what would normally have been protected. So make sure you have two factor authentication so that even if somebody does try to gain access, you are notified when somebody gains or tries to gain access. That's what it's there for. This would allow anybody into the password vault and therefore full access to all of the rest of the passwords. So the hacker exploited the first event's data to exfiltrate the data kept in the S3 buckets during the second incident. Amazon had noticed anomalous behavior when the attacker tried to use cloud identity and access management roles, uh, IAM things, uh, to um, perform the unauthorized activity and notified LastPass. So at least internally, they had some type of verification of the standard behavior, standard practices. Um, This is just actually going to be helping the next person to do something even more sophisticated to get into it. So LastPass asserted that it would take millions of years to decipher a user's master password, but a competitor believes that it would only take a fraction of the time and can be completed for just a 100 bucks. This is something that we talked about um, here at Ohm Town. but, you know, as far as competitors go, it's easy to say it, but let's see it being done. So if you consider all possible 12 character passwords, there are something around 2 to the 72 possibilities. It would take many millions of years to try them all. Uh, indeed, it would take much longer. My problem is, if you have the vault, <laughs> um, and it's offline then i can create multitudes of them and try them simultaneously cutting that 2 to the 72nd down considerably because i would have a hash table uh rainbow table um, brute force basically working my way through every possible combination in a sophisticated attack trying to get in now it would get you precisely one password um, for a considerable amount of work, but I would not say millions of years because computers can multitask multiple attempts on the same file on the same computer all at the same time. You know, everything everywhere all at once is a possibility with technology, uh, not with a human being at any rate. Um, LastPass has already faced criticism for dubious security procedures. In December 2021, LastPass members reported multiple attempted logins using their correct master passwords from various locations. So I don't suppose the AI would uh, consider LastPass secure anymore.
1: I don't think so. I mean, we've seen multiple articles about it and it seems like each time it just sounds like it's at least another layer worse. But I think average consumers have a problem because they require passwords for everything, like to order your pizza or whatever. And you cannot remember all your passwords. I mean, there's no way to do it. So... You know, if you don't use that.
0: Yeah, what do you do? What do you do, right? So um, what ends up happening sociologically, psychologically, we start using weaker and weaker passwords to make it frictionless. Um, What we really need is some way to authenticate uh, remotely without a password, but something that is more secure um, than just getting a text because it's easy apparently you can well i mean i've not done it um, to the tune to what i've been told is capable as full cloning of a phone so that when you get something i get something that kind of thing Um, my my concern though is that people will water down the complexity of their passwords and you really shouldn't be using passwords in this day and age you should be using passphrases they're much harder to uh beat i guess to uh compromise um because you know a 12 letter password has been created but it doesn't necessarily include a phrase that is 12 characters long although a phrase is pretty If you're going to have a phrase, it's going to be longer than 12 characters. Um, But it's easier to remember and harder to suss out from the multitude of possible phrases that someone can utter. Um, Just don't make it something obvious like the may the force be with you. It's going to be hacked. So let's move on. Let's move on to the next article. Um, Whoa. That's not working. Anyway, uh, the next article is over on the Hatch Ideas channel. We'll make this one really quick. TD Bank settles Ponzi scheme lawsuit for $1.2 billion. It's probably the biggest number that I have seen um, for a settlement. Um, And I wonder if that actually is just approaching the amount of money that they got, because if they're willing to settle For $1.2 billion, how much money did they have to rake in?
1: Well, exactly. When I saw that number, I do think that might be the highest one I've seen, but that's a settlement. That tells you they weren't willing to gamble that they be found liable for billing a number, right? $100 billion or something
0: maybe not that high
1: but it's just really ridiculous
0: so let's check this out because this is over at entrepreneur.com again it's titled td bank settles ponzi scheme lawsuit for 1.2 billion dollars the the suit accused the bank of ignoring red flags for years it's written by steve huff over again at entrepreneur.com and it started apparently In 2012, in 2012, Alan Stanford was convicted of 13 fraud-related charges in Houston and was sentenced to 110 years in prison. But the case, a Ponzi scheme, um, because they're talking about the Ponzi scheme, um, the uh, the origin of the Ponzi scheme, a Ponzi scheme that saw Stanford selling billions of dollars worth of fraudulent certificates of deposit through his offshore bank, Stanford International Bank Limited so move down a little bit it ended this week when td bank agreed to shell out 1.2 billion dollars in settling a lawsuit that alleged it collected millions in canadian and american currency while ignoring evidence something fishy was going on with stanford's bank in antigua so this thing has been going for 13 years or uh, 11 years right
1: well yeah but if the person was convicted i mean what's been happening since then the conviction was 10 years ago or actually 11 years ago i guess
0: so how long has this been actually going on cnn quoted from a td bank statement which said in part that it expressly denies any liability or wrongdoing with respect to the multi-year ponzi scheme operated by Stanford and makes no admissions to the connection to any Stanford matter as part of the settlement, and the bank's statement said it provided primarily correspondent banking services to Stanford International Bank Limited and maintains that it acted properly at all times. Why do you pay $1.2 billion if you acted properly? This is the thing that I don't understand about. And by don't understand, I mean I don't get why the people who were steering this haven't don't get prosecuted when the enterprise is kind of on the down low, found guilty of committing uh, what are at least civil acts wherein a settlement is legally binding for 1.2 billion dollars. TD settled for the most significant amount, but independent and HSBC banks were tapped for $100 million and $40 million respectively. So the settlement averted a trial that was slated for Monday, or to begin Monday, in Houston. So they saw the writing on the wall that they were going to get hammered with something bigger than $1.2 billion dollars.
1: That's also interesting looking at the settlement amounts across the different banks. Like (laughs) theirs stands out a little bit compared to the other ones.
0: Um, there isn't much more to it. Um, obviously you can go over to this article and read more. Um, let me throw it into chat real quick. And if you are so inclined, then you can click the link and just go on over there and check it out. Um, I'm not sure if more will come of this in the press, but we'll keep an eye out for something that might refer to it. Um, Apparently, all of it was flowing through TD Bank. Uh, They facilitated it, even though apparently there were supposed to be red flags that would have indicated that there was something going on. To find out more, you would have to follow links in this article I suppose uh, like from CNN Um, yeah I I don't know there isn't anything else in this article so let's move on Uh, the next article is in the Warcrafters channel somebody tossed at least a hundred thousand dollars worth of magic the gathering uh, magic the gathering cards into a landfill Um, I actually watched this happen. Um, Not the actual tossing of Magic cards, but the posting over on Reddit. Um, It says here Latin Zero. Um, I don't know if that's how they pronounce it. Maybe they pronounce it Latino. But anyway, um, they posted a picture of six pallets of Magic the Gathering cards that had been dumped into their local landfill. They saw it happen um or saw it sitting there in situ and uh, they dumped their own trash and walked away and then posted it on reddit and i i actually watched that initial post uh, show up in new and then people were making comments saying go back go back and get all of these cards these are actually some of the most uh, desired cards because it does a reset for competitive magic the gathering um, they're some of the the most powerful cards, apparently. Um, this generation of cards. So let's just go over to PCGamer.com, and Jonathan Bolding is the author. Um, this was not the the new. The, this was not how those cards actually looked. This may have been some of the cards, but. What they showed were full-on brand new in sealed containers, booster packs, and boxes. Yeah. So it says this past weekend, a Redditor uh, going by the name Latino or Latin zero posted, uh, an image of what they estimated to be six pallets of magic, the gathering cards that had been dumped in their local landfill and They didn't really care about it, I guess. Only knew that the game existed from a decade of Reddit use. So they snapped a picture, dumped their trash, moved on. Then people ended up talking about it. And it says, all without knowing the retail value of those pallets and boxes was, at a conservative bent, something to the order of $100,000. Depending on the contents, however, it could easily have been more than a quarter million worth of Magic the Gathering cards, containing, as it did, a mix of Secret Lair Modern Horizons 2, which Modern Horizons 2 is the reset, um, based on what I know about it now, and um, the Infinity cards and uh, spanning 2019 through the end of 2022. That higher figure is, if more of the valuable cards like Modern Horizons, uh, which retail for near twice the price of regular Magic the Gathering packs uh, and others are present. So no doubt this thing was basically... uh, uh, a, a landfill goose that laid a golden egg. And I don't know if they actually went back and got them, uh, but quotes like a run over by a bunch of bulldozers apparently, then buried in more trash, then run over a few more times for good measures. Um, the cards had been through what appears to be everything at a landfill within 24 hours. So the pictures though that uh, I saw were just pallets knocked over with the cards spilling out, but not spilling out of their packaging. Um, I guess, you know, the people didn't care. And see, that's what I saw, that picture right there. These are all Magic the Gathering cards, dun dun dun. So they're still in the palletized shrink uh, uh, plastic wrap inside their shipping boxes. And then inside those are boxes that are protecting the, the 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 packs. And then inside those are additional protections on the cards themselves. Um so all of that, you know, if I was that person I would have scooped them up, but I don't even play Magic the Gathering anymore. It says down at the very bottom, for their part, Latino or Latin, zero. Sorry, I have to keep saying it that way because I don't know if it's correct. Displayed superb. Wabi-sabi about the whole thing. I'm not mad, I didn't take any boxes, but I wish I knew what they were worth when I took a photo and seeing them on the ground. I only know Magic the Gathering because of Reddit. So by the time they went back, they had gone through the shredder essentially.
1: Yeah, that's kind of crazy i was laughing one of the paragraphs in the article talked about some of the things that could have happened to the cards like a raccoon peed on them or whatever like there may be more to the story
0: <laughs> yeah they could have been fraudulent they, they could have been um forgeries which actually gets sold on um ebay quite often um and the only way that you would really know is with a discerning eye and comparing legitimate cards with the fake cards the resolution is usually off the way that it's cut is usually off uh, the color the vibrancy of the colors is usually off um, so maybe they were all fake cards but legitimately boxed to defraud so To me, that's what I'm going with, and I'm glad that they've been destroyed so that they don't uh, muddy the waters of legitimate cards that are out there in play. So the next article is over in the Daily News Show. This Missouri jail is on sale for $195,000, and it comes with working cells. I won't bother really getting too deep into this, uh, but uh, Alice Gibbs over at Newsweek.com put this article together. I don't know if yeah this article this uh, top picture or video doesn't have anything to do with it but um, there are pictures of this jail further down Um, apparently it dates back to the 60s has been unused for 20 years uh, was put on the market then taken off was going to be turned into six residences but then that got canned and um I guess, uh, or eight, eight residential condos and garages, but decided to list it instead. So if you want 10,000 square feet of property, 5,000 of it being, um, office space, and you don't mind taking over a prison, um, I know that the last two and a half years have been prison-like, but I don't know if you want to live in one. What do you think? You want to buy a prison? uh,
1: No. (laughs) But the land might be worth more than the price of the property. Of course, how much are you going to pay to bulldoze the jail and build something else on it?
0: Yeah, it's Missouri. Hey, so there is an apparently there's an account on Twitter called Zillow Gone Wild. (laughs) Y'all might want to look that up. Um, And I guess that's where this was spawned from as well. The Cass County Jail housed inmates for 40 years, but more recently has been used as county storage space. Now it's on the market for $195,000 and has 10,000 plus square feet. It's curb appeal is, is amazing. 1960s curb appeal.
1: But also jail aesthetic. It's not even 1960s. <laughs> house ne- or commercial building appeal
0: <laughs> yeah it's not a little adobe house um okay so the next article is over in the mobile channel steel was already being used in europe 2900 years ago study shows uh, a study by an international and interdisciplinary team headed by university of Freiburg uh, archaeologist dr ralph iraq Arak, or Arake eric Gonzalez, I don't know how to pronounce their middle name. I'm sorry. Uh, from the facility, or sorry, from the Faculty of Humanities, has proven that steel tools were already in use in Europe around 2,900 years ago. This is an article over at fizz.org. Yeah, um, you know, maybe it's ancient architects, right? I mean, anyway. that
1: seems pretty far back
0: for steel um a study by an internet international and interdisciplinary team um, apparently has proven it so using geochemical analysis and that has actually merged together as one word in this article geochemical analysis um it's like a a therapist and an analyst Uh, From Arrested Development. You have to be careful how you merge those together. Um, Anyway, geochemical analyses. The researchers were able to prove that stone stelae on the Iberian Peninsula that date back to the final Bronze Age feature complex engravings that could only have been done using tempered steel. This was backed up by metallographic Uh, analyses of an iron chisel from the same period and region that showed the necessary carbon content to be proper steel Uh, the result was also confirmed experimentally by undertaking trials with chisels made of various materials only the uh, chisel made of tempered steel was suitably capable of engraving the stone so Was it actually carved then or was it found how it was? And then somebody came along and chiseled whatever is chiseled into it, right? Kind of like somebody tagging with spray paint, uh, a beautiful masterpiece. Maybe this is what happened uh, here as well. I, I, I would have to do a deeper dive into this to to know what the context of this is because they're saying that it was complex engravings that could only have been done using tempered steel um, on a stele but who created the stele and then when was the complex engravings applied you know what i'm saying so i find it interesting The study, Stoneworking and the Earliest Steel in Iberia, Scientific Analyses and Experimental uh, Replications of Final Bronze Age Stele and Tools, has been published in the Journal of Archaeological Science. Um, Their statement is that this... Um, silica quartz sandstone could only have been worked with tempered steel, but did that work actually, uh, get done at the same time? The, the etchings that are in it aren't necessarily the ones that made the actual material, uh, like the, the, the original product. Then somebody came along with steel and hammered something into it. Um, so it says, until now, studies of the actual rocks from these, uh, which these stelae were made to gain insights into the use of materials and tools have been the exception. Uh, Gonzalez and his colleagues analyzed the geological composition of the stelae in depth. This led them to discover that a significant number of stelae was not as had been assumed made of quartzite, but silicate quartz sandstone. Um, And just like quartzite, it is an extremely hard rock that cannot be worked with bronze or stone tools, but only with tempered steel. Kind of fascinating. You know, they're reiterating this again and again in this article, Um, but they found an iron chisel That showed that Iberian stonemasons from the final Bronze Age Age, had the necessary tools. But that, I mean, that is different, right?
1: Uh, What do you mean?
0: So the primary difference between iron and steel is that the former is a metal, whereas the latter is an alloy. Iron is simply a metal element that occurs naturally on Earth. This is a a definition that's put forth by Monroe Engineering, their website. In comparison, steel is a man-made alloy that's made by mixing iron and carbon together. So was this iron chisel actually, was it steel because it had the right carbon? It says that it was astonishingly carbon-rich steel but they keep referring to it as an iron chisel and they're not one and the same. Iron is just formed, a formed raw material and steel is forged with carbon to form a, a tool and it's wholly stronger than bronze and naturally stronger than iron.
1: I mean, I almost wonder if that's an error in the article because at the end of that paragraph, it of course makes the distinction between using iron or I mean, it's describing that iron couldn't do what it needed to do.
0: Yeah. And earlier in the article, it references the iron chisel, um, but says that it needs steel tools to etch the stonework. So So maybe
1: this is just kind of misleading and all they're using this for is to show that that did not do what they've uh, witnessed.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Maybe this is uh, so uh, maybe I can pull the full research paper and read that because it even says the people of the final Bronze Age in Iberia were capable of tempering steel. Otherwise, they would not have been able to work the pillars, which is exactly what I've been saying throughout this entire article, is that these pillars were created in another manner and then etched with more modern tools after the fact. They were found and then etched um, using actually man-made steel, not iron tools, but whoever created the actual pillars is something different. Um, Interesting, right? But they make that distinction that it's an iron chisel that was found while implying that they could have made steel, but they don't have steel tools. So I just don't know. Um, It's an interesting article, but the implication is here in the pictures, they lay it out that there's this um, iron tool. But they don't say that it's tempered steel so let's move on um i'll get hung up in the specifics of that article i can feel it in my bones um so the next article is in the mobile channel investigation of powder in air reveals it was pollen so in west virginia and maryland uh, the reason why i know about this is because of the ohio um train wreck and the balloons that have been flying around saying that, you know, uh, who knows what kind of shenanigans are going on. And three out of the four UFO UAPs, we still don't know what the nuts and bolts of them are. And then suddenly, several days later, there's this dust settling in West Virginia and Maryland, and people are talking about it online. News reports were coming out, and I thought it was an interesting tie like what is actually going on here well west virginia officials investigating reports of a powder in the air and on some vehicles in the mid-atlantic have determined what the source is apparently it's pollen. pollen so all of y'all just chill relax it isn't a chinese uh, plot to uh, turn us into zombies there isn't any shenanigans going on it's nature um, I like a good conspiracy like everybody else, but maybe this was nothing more than dust and pollen. If you would have sniffed it, then you would probably have sneezed. Um, don't sniff dust off of cars, just PSA. I shouldn't have to I shouldn't have to say that and I also shouldn't have to put don't put bag overhead either, but here we are. <laughs> Um, final results from the dust samples collected Friday in the state's uh, eastern panhandle indicated that the material is predominantly pollen with trace amounts of mineral matter. Um, the West Virginia Department of Environmental Protection said in a statement Monday the samples were analyzed by West Virginia University's Department of Geology and Geography. Uh, you know, this doesn't actually have a source. Anyway, it's over at fizz.org, but there's no author. Um, tied to this it looks like it might be an ap article so um, at any rate go and check it out you'll be able to suss out some more uh, regarding this uh, over at fizz.org and you can follow the link uh, that is in well it's not in the chat yet but it will be in about five seconds let's move on so to the next I art- this
1: is climate change because i mean seasonally hmm you can see pollen in the air in certain areas of the country like that's a regular occurrence maybe not in february
0: you know i i do find it interesting that in in that particular region there should be snow <laughs> um and it's pollen and in regions where there shouldn't be an ice storm right now there is an ice storm that is also tied to strong winds that may have been responsible for pulling this up off of the ground and throwing it into the upper atmosphere. And then the jet stream just kind of throwing it, uh, in the Northeast, I guess, I mean, we're also sitting there suggesting that a bad bat one in billions that have been eaten over the millennia of human existence, apparently somehow picked up covid-19 and it traversed from bat to human in the digestive process i i'm i'm willing at this point i'm willing to buy into anything just for the giggles let's move on to the next article um maybe don't send eight-year-olds to jail for eating paste is something we required a federal court to rule in 2023 Kind of find this interesting, frighteningly, there was still at least one vote in support of arbitrarily incarcerating children, according to this article. Of course, it's from above the law, because I think only above the law can really um, embody that much snark uh, in such a short line. Um, You know, there's that story, how short of a story can you write? And who was it that said uh,
1: Ernest Hemingway?
0: Ernest Hemingway said, uh, baby shoes. What? how does it go? I, th-
1: I think it's for sale. Baby shoes, baby shoes. never worn. Yeah. But similar to that. It may not be exact.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it's a poor quote. I'm sorry that I, uh, even invoked it because I don't have it down pat, but when you get really down into the fine storytelling and you can just kind of just make so much snark drip from a sentence, you know, that you're reading an above the law article. So remember when Pennsylvania judge got sentenced for taking kickbacks from private prisons to divert children into the, it says, uh, carceral system, which isn't a word that I have not heard before. Um, well a lot of folks remember that story through the rosy glasses of thinking the school to prison pipeline amounted to one bad actor as opposed to the judge just being the one stupid enough to get caught because that system is alive and well in a lot of places around the country and it took until 2023 for the fourth circuit to pump the brakes so southern california or sorry not California Southern South Carolina law makes it a crime for elementary and secondary school students to act disorderly or in a boisterous manner, use obscene or profane language or interfere with loiter about or act in an obnoxious manner in, or sometimes near a school.
1: (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry, but some of that, some (laughs) of that is kids being kids, you know, jumping up and down because they're wound up.
0: Oh, there's more. Our primary question is whether the challenge laws give students fair warning about about what expressive behaviors may expose them to criminal penalties and contain sufficient guardrails to prevent arbitrary or discriminatory enforcement like the district court. We hold the answer is no. The author kicks back in saying I should certainly hope so quote act in an obnoxious manner describes the sum total of childhood behavior from age one to i don't know age 21 Eh, have we met so a fact that wasn't lost on judge toby hayton's writing for the majority For those who have met or been elementary or secondary school students, a question naturally arises, how does one statute objectively distinguish criminally, disorderly, boisterous, obscene, or profane childhood misbehavior from garden variety disorderly, boisterous, obscene, or profane childhood behavior? The attorney general offers no satisfying answer, nor can we discern one for ourselves. So I won't read the whole thing verbatim, but I'm really curious... Um, It says this is a conclusion he reaches despite this being his own description of one of the cases. A classmate had been making fun of S.P., a female freshman, throughout the morning. And S.P. loudly told her to stop talking about her after the library summoned the school principal. And the principal told S.P. that she needed to leave the library with him. She refused. The principal then called the school resource officer who also directed S.P. to leave. Finally, S.P. did decide to leave. She announced that she would... Rather be home than in this hell, and said that the classmate FU and students in the library began clapping as SP was leaving the library and they reiterated. So, suspension, sure, but if you read that and think this child should have been or should have known we would get to the district attorney involved in this matter, then well, I have to agree with SP's sentiment here. <laughs> So for those who don't fill in, you know, that there's two types of people in the world. Those who have those who can extrapolate from incomplete detail. Um, anyway, SP said F all of you. So in a two to one decision, speaking of minority report, despite the straightforward nature of the case, it still managed to be a two to one decision. Judge Paul name Naim- which I swear that sound that name sounds very familiar, and I, I can't figure out why. Maybe it's because I've seen something from this court before. I never one to shy away from trampling on the Fourth Amendment, dissented with some grumbling about as applied technicalities before just giving up and saying he thinks neither statute is unconstitutionally vague. I'm astonished that any human being would sit there and say that if you're being boisterous, that it's a criminal action Uh, for children, for children. You know, if you're me and I'm sitting there uh, criminally disorderly, boisterous, obscene, obscene, profane, um, I I don't know about childhood misbehavior, um, but if you're doing all of this and you're an adult, fine. If you're doing all of this and you're a child, a parent needs to be a parent or a guardian needs to be appointed, but somebody has to, you know, slap the bad bat out of somebody. You have to put guardrails up. You have to teach the kid coping mechanisms so that they don't sit there and lash out like this. Um, you, you frame life as a series of, Hey, you do good. And, I'm going to tell you no when you do bad and then give you the tools to solve this problem. Let's say you, AI, should we just um, have chat GPT talking with the kids regularly so that they have someone to interact with?
1: I mean, nothing about this law makes sense. Um, And there's, I'm sorry, there's a big range between like a five-year-old kindergartner and like an 18-year-old high schooler. (laughs) So that's my other problem with this. I mean, somebody who's in a high school setting who, for instance, won't leave the property when they need to is a whole different level than a kid jumping up and down in elementary school. Um, But anyway, I just think this whole statute is ridiculous.
0: So let's just give this a little bit more numerical context. Last week, the Fourth Circuit struck down a pair of South Carolina statutes, the ones that we were just talking about, um, that schools had used to refer at least 9,500 kids between 7 and 18 for prosecution over a six-year span.
1: You know, I would love to know what those incidents actually involved. Because so, if they were truly a problem, were they violations of other statutes, right? Like if they're hitting somebody or or whatever. I'm sorry, I don't want to bring up a negative news article, but there's another thing that's been in the news recently regarding an elementary schooler that did something pretty violent and so that's kind of nagging at me but again there are other statutes that take that into account
0: yeah was there is there more to this and we're looking at just this one slice of the full context that's certainly possible but 1600 kids typically about 1600 kids in uh, a year um between seven and 18 so
1: that seems like a lot of kids in a relatively small state um right yeah
0: okay Uh, i'm sure that this will rear its ugly head again um so the last article for today uh hopefully will bring a little bit of levity to the end of the show the daily news show Inflatable pants could treat horses swollen legs, one second. Um, Did you know that just like people, horses can wear compression socks?
1: Uh, No, I did not know that.
0: And that's what these are. And it's for pretty much the same purpose. So I'm gonna jump straight over to futurity.org. And um, the article is by Tracy Peek from New York, uh, New York, North Carolina State. Inflatable pants could treat horses swollen legs and it's a lymphedema um, solution. So horses suffer from the exact same type of lymphedema horses do. But the difference is that human medicine has very effective treatment option pneumatic compression devices. So they wanted to create a horse-specific version of those devices and see if it would be similarly effective. And apparently, <laughs> they <laughs> they put on what looks like hip waders, a little bit more strapped, um, a little more strapped in. Um, but it looks like they're about to go out on a, a night on the town, you know, they got yes, all dressed gonna- up.
1: Hey, they're wearing like tuxedo pants or something. You're really missing it if you're in the podcast right now.
0: <laughs> so lymphatic flow is driven by muscle contractions that circulate lymph fluid through the lymphatic system. Horses are prone to lymphatic issues because they have very little musculature in the lower limbs. Um, and so depending on the severity, they stick them in these uh, inflation pants and um i guess they get to walk around like that too you know like hey i'm looking pretty good this horse is bringing sexy back <laughs> there is a lot to this by the way the this article actually is um pretty long for what you think it, it should be um but this obviously is written by somebody that cares quite a bit about this um So go and check it out. Um, It's all about uh, saving a horse from lymphedema. Pretty interesting, huh?
1: It is. I never knew horses could wear inflatable pants, (laughs) or really any pants.
0: (laughs) Powered by pumps that tuck into the saddle pad, the device creates uh, cycles of dynamic pressure waves That start at the bottom of the limb and move up, forcing fluid up the limb and eliminating backflow. So it works for humans. It works for them, too. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's where we're going to leave it. And I'm not horsing around. My throat is starting to get a little hoarse. Don't saddle me with silence. You need to say th- some things. But I guess we're going to hit the trail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it, folks. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. That's what powers the show, really. Uh, that and uh, my uh, unending desire to always talk about something new every day. That's actually the motto um, something new every day uh for something else not hometown uh, and uh so we, we we talk every day 9 p.m eastern 11 10 to 11 12 maybe 13 articles depending on how we think the news is going to flow um that said we're done for today you want to say bye ai
1: good night hometown citizens we'll see you again tomorrow
0: hopefully Yeah, I don't know. Meteor.